Welcome to TR Talks, where your host, Team Rajpal, talks everything Toronto and GTA real estate, from buying, selling, leasing, investing, and rental management. An unfiltered conversation with industry experts helping you stay up to date with the market. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. I'm here with Rana, and she is a CPA from uh, MNP, which is a huge uh, accounting firm uh, in Canada. And uh, we're here with her today. Thank you so much for joining us, Rana. Thanks for having me. Thank no, my pleasure. Uh, we're discussing a really interesting topic today, something I'm super passionate about, which is... Um, not only how you purchase an investment property, we've gone through that, we've, you know, the different types, uh, but actually structuring it from a from a tax perspective. I think uh, in today's day and age, um, it given, especially with companies who are hiring more and more contract workers rather than full-time employees, I think this can be a massive advantage to people, uh, especially if they own their own corporation and things like that. I'm sure you'll get into it. Uh, but uh, I think it's crucial that we as investors uh, living in Canada with the tax regime that we have, uh, how we can, quite frankly, shelter some of that tax and keep some of that hard-earned equity for ourselves uh, rather than just keep writing checks one after the other to the government. <laughs> um, so, um, Rana, let's let's just start with this. Like, uh, we're th- so the topic of conversation obviously revolves around holding companies. I mean that that's exactly what what we're going to be talking about today. So, can you just start off by telling us what is a holding company? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, how you want to look at a holding company is it's not involved in an active business. So, when you consider an active business, that would be like you know a dental practice that's yep. seeing patients every day, billing accounts receivable, etc. Um, an inactive company is holding investments, and that's what a holding company does. It can hold real estate, it can hold marketable securities, or it could hold shares of other corporations. I guess for the purpose of our discussion today, a holding company would be used to hold real estate investments. Perfect. And and yeah. who should have one? I mean, you know, it sounds really fancy, like, oh, I have a holding company. But really speaking, is it for everyone? And is it targeted towards a specific audience of people? Yes. So usually it is targeted towards a specific audience of people. And those would be people um, mainly that have corporations already and earn their money in a corporation. Okay. Because if you earn your money in a corporation, you pay a significantly lower tax rate than had you earned the money personally. Right. So that means is that corporation then has more money in it because it's paying a lower tax rate. So it tends to be more effective to purchase real estate at a corporate level if you earn your money in a corporation. So um, just to kind of put it into context, like uh, let's say I work, uh, I, I'm in the IT industry and I'm a contract worker for IBM, for example. I'm not a full-time employee. I, I have my own sort of, I open my own corporation and I contract with IBM and they pay my corporation ex- essentially. Um, mm-hmm. then I could go and open a holding company. That's who it would be recommended for um, to go and buy investments because you essentially get the money into the corporation and instead of taking it personally, you can just move it to the holding corporation, the holding company to go buy investments. 
Exactly. So corporations can lend money to each other with no t- immediate tax implications. Perfect. Versus if you took the money out personally to buy the real estate, you're going to pay that high rate tax. So you'd have less money to invest with. So if I was to make, say, $100,000 and my corporate tax rate was 12% versus my income tax rate was 30%, it's that difference of essentially 18% that I have money to play with. Exactly. And as your income goes up, you can see that the tax rates would go up and then the the amounts grow as well. Perfect. Awesome. So so this is definitely very attractive to, to people, especially so... You know, if you're if you're a doctor and you're incorporated dentist, like you said, you know, IT yes. worker, anybody Lawyers. who basically can incorporate it, it, it's a it puts them in a huge advantageous position, so to say. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Other reasons that you might set up a holding company, not necessarily from a tax perspective, but some people will use it for liability protection reasons. Yeah. Um, and that might be more into play when you're dealing with commercial properties versus um, residential. Perfect. Um, so what is a typical cost to, to open one of these? Like, let's say I have my own corporation and now I'm exploring this idea. Um, what, what would be, I mean, ballpark a cost of opening something like this? Yeah. So to set up a holding company, a similar cost to setting up another corporation, you're probably looking at a lawyer charging you between 1500 to 2500 to set that company up. Um, and these legal costs are one-time costs, right? Okay. So you pay it once. Um, and then annually, your lawyer may charge you, a, you know, a few hundred dollars just to update your minute book. Um, but the big legal cost is to get it set up. So it's a, it's a one-time cost. And then what you're looking at is annual compliance costs. So once you do have a holding company, um, it's a separate corporation. It requires a separate tax return, separate financial statements um, that you have to file every single year. Okay, so perfect. So there would be costs there. Okay, excellent. So, so again, there are certain costs involved. Uh, it, it sounds like the main cost is the setting up cost. And then, of course, mm-hmm. to file a tax return every year. That would be more of an yeah. accounting fee, so to say. Um, yes, exactly. You know, this, I think this is a really interesting question that, that someone posed to us, which was, um, at what stage of investing does it make sense to open one up? And I think it, it's a very crucial question, I think, because, you know, a lot of people say, okay, I'm earning money, I can go for, as you said, for this per- particular purpose of this conversation, I'm going to go buy an investment property. And I think then what happens is they sell the property and then they have to pay capital gain tax, hopefully in a way uh, on the, on the property. Um, And so, you know, and then they learn about something like this. Um, I know I've had a lot of discussions uh, with people about, should I move it in between? Like if I own a property already, should I move it in? Or is it something like, you know, is there a particular timeline that you recommend to people to, to, open up and purchase investments through their holding corporation? Sure. Yeah. So a few things to consider. Again, I think the main benefit is if you're earning the money at the corporate level, because you can loan money over to the holding company. Um, From a tax perspective, there's no real tax difference on capital gains tax. So you're not going to save because capital gains are going to get taxed at the high rate in the corp and personally. Yeah. So it's not going to give you any tax advantage on that capital gain. So it's the benefit is more so if you already have a corp, you can use those funds in a more tax efficient way to purchase real estate. 
Okay, and that that's especially I think um, this conversation becomes more pertinent as we go into a higher interest rate, uh, you know, world. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, they what they do is they leverage equity in their home rather than use, um, you know, their own personal cash. Because when when you do right. that, typically, I mean, you can confirm this. Uh, if I borrow money in order to invest, as we can, as long as we can prove it, the interest rate on that should help out from a tax write off perspective. But right. instead of borrowing money at seven or eight or nine percent from a line of credit, for example, if I can use some of the money that instead of paying the CRA, I, I get to use essentially tax-free in that is, uh, essence to invest. It becomes a much cheaper option to invest. Yes, because typically the mortgage rates will be less than, let's say, a line of credit. Yeah. Um, you just have to be careful that you do work with your accountant um, and tax professional to make sure it's structured in a way that the interest is deductible. So there has to be a clear line of the borrowing of the funds and then the purchase of the investment. No, perfect. So uh, I think that really gives, I mean, the pros. Uh, Are there any cons with regards to holding corporations? So cons would be things like um, it is more expensive, right? Because as I mentioned, um, you know, you have to file a separate tax return, separate set of financial statements, um, more administrative work involved, have that separate bank account. Um, So it is a cost that you have to incur. So you want it to make sense, right? So if you're, if you're investing um, in a corporation and you, and you want to do it at the corporate level, because your income is earned at the corporate level, it makes sense. If you already have the money personally to purchase the property, I would likely say you're better off just purchasing it personally to avoid, um, you know, the extra costs every year that you're going to have for the holding company. Yeah. Um, Cons, I guess, if you are in a more complicated structure where, let's say, you know, you have four or five different shareholders of that holding company and you want to, you know, say, remove a shareholder or deal with a buyout, it can get a little bit complicated if it's a holding company. Okay. Um, so that might be something to consider as well. Okay, perfect. Uh, are there any um, pros from a perspective of uh I open a holding corporation today, and I, and I think this is, again, future planning for people, um, you know, especially with questions of estate planning and things like that coming up. Like, mm-hmm. you have children, and you make them shareholders of the corporation. Is it easier from a tax perspective to transfer those assets upon one's de- being deceased to them? Yes, there are some tax structures that are set up that way. Um, I think you, again, it's a very individual. Every person I think is going to have a different situation and what might work for me may not work for yep. you. Um, yes, there are some situations where that would make sense um, and it makes it easier for um, probate as well. Perfect. So if it's yeah. I think the bottom line we can all agree is that it's extremely subjective um, and And at the end of the day, um, you know, we always recommend to people, look, like, no matter what, speak to your professional who's been handling your Mm -hmm. tax file or legal file. Because I think getting an understanding, like asking a question in a moment of time, it's just a snapshot rather than understanding the whole picture. And so I I would recommend anybody who is thinking of doing this, speak to Rana. You can reach out to her. We'll share her contact information. Um sit down with her but 
you know, I, I strongly encourage people. I've seen this myself. I'm sure you've seen it actually more than even I have. Um, the end of day benefit can add up over time significantly. And Definitely. it is it is something that I strongly recommend to people. I'm not saying it's an answer, but just find out, you know, do some homework. Um, it's it's not only about working hard, which you are doing and you're earning your income, but it's about working smart and protecting some of that income and equity. So uh, please reach out to Rana if you have any questions. Um, and, and thank you, Rana, for joining us today. I think this has been extremely educational. Uh, for people who are looking for a slightly more in-depth dive um, into investing and how to structure it, please reach out to us with any specific questions you may have. Uh, and please follow and share this podcast with your family and friends. Uh, comment, ask questions, and make requests on topic you'd like us to cover. This was just one example of uh, one of the topics that was requested today. Uh, we're here to use our resources in order to get professionals on here to answer questions you may have. So thank you so much for joining us, Rana. It's, uh, it's been great having you on. My pleasure. Thank you. TR Talks is hosted by members of Team Rajpal with Remax. Rajiv Rajpal and Xerxes Barucha are brokers. Geeta Rajpal and Nicholas Ip are sales representatives. All registered with the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board, Real Estate Council of Ontario, and Canadian Real Estate Association. This podcast is for informational purposes only and not for financial or investment advice. Please do your own due diligence.